0: Good morning City Lights. I hope you're all doing well in your homes. Again, I think this is our sixth week of us meeting together online. Uh, It's crazy, it's felt long and short at the same time and uh, again I've got on my TV behind you uh, is just a picture of the church. Uh, Our double meeting on our ninth birthday, one of the biggest meetings we've had this year and uh, just see a lot of familiar faces and again it's just I miss you all. It's great to preach to a crowd and not to uh, a wall, so that does help me. And uh, and some of you may be wondering uh, what's happening with my hair. I got a haircut. And I know it's fantastic and uh, Starla did it. Joking, she didn't. Um, I went to a barber because finally things have opened. And uh, But just, uh, I want to just honestly actually start quickly. Today I'm, I'm preaching on the 30th of April, which is our 12 year anniversary. And I uh, just want to honour her, love her. I would have done this on a Friday anyway. So just imagine that it is, uh, what is it? Would have been May the 1st. And we're uh, just honouring my beautiful wife who has tirelessly poured her life, not only into this church, but into, into my life and into the, the lives of our little twins. And uh, it's just a you, Star, And you're going to see this tomorrow morning. Anyway, before we, let's carry on. Lockdown response is the title of my sermon today. And we are back in the book of Acts. Last week we did a little bit of a segue into Psalm 84. Um, I just have been really encouraged by the Psalms. So at times we're going to jump in and out of the Psalms as we kind of go through the book of Acts together. So if you want to turn your Bibles to Acts 12, um, and why are you turning there? I just want to give, just by way of introduction, just um, I've just been thinking about this week and I've had a few conversations with people and uh, people have had, been going through some tough moments. People are sometimes full of faith and not full of faith. And I, I just want to encourage you, just keep pushing through, keep pushing into Jesus. And we started this year looking at Hebrews 12. And uh, it's, I said, it's time to look at Jesus. So I want to just read it again, because I feel it's just such an encouraging thing for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. God is perfecting something in us who for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And as this world is looking increasingly different, and as our future is going to look increasingly different, Jesus remains the same. And uh, that's what I think when when you look through the book of Acts, as we're going to be studying over the next couple of weeks, is that they always looked to Jesus they looked to Jesus the author and the perfecter of their faith and Hebrews 13:8 says Jesus is the same yesterday today and forever Jesus was the same in pre-corona in corona and after corona and we can be. for me that's encouraging that's we, we as the people of God have the, the one thing that is stable on this earth and that is Jesus Christ seated at the right hand of the father ruling and reigning working out all of this stuff that doesn't make sense to us at this at this time and uh, God is working for his good and his glory and and um, and I think we need to always look at the, the positives. We need to look, I'm, I'm relentlessly positive. There's been times where I've been a little bit negative in this and I've had to kind of pull myself out of it. And I think worship does that. But I just started to think about what God has done over these past five weeks. 60 people saved in five weeks. I mean, that's just Incredible. That's when people raise their hands at the end of the meeting. I want to encourage you, if you, after today's message, want to surrender your life to Jesus, not only do you raise your hand, but go to the next steps and we'll walk you through a journey of faith, any questions you have on Jesus. What an amazing time to be alive. We can look at the negative, all the stuff that's happening around the world, but we sometimes also have to compare ourselves to previous generations. So this lockdown is not as bad as previous plagues, previous wars. We just need to endure this and learn as much as what God is is wanting to teach us in this time. So we're going to read Acts 12, a little bit of Acts 12 soon. But if you look, um, I've called this kind of sub-series within the Church on Fire is the lockdown response. And if you look throughout the book of Acts, there was moments where Peter, Paul, and different apostles were thrown in jail, killed, uh, whatever it is, and how they responded. And after that, there was a result from how they responded. And I think really God, in a sense, is looking to us in this time. How are you and I responding in this time? And I spoke last week and I encourage you to go listen to the message that God is actually wanting to deal with stuff in our hearts in this time and we just need to surrender to Him. But God's looking for our response in this time. And if you look, uh, I, I, could just, I have a little bit of uh, knowledge on being in jail. I haven't physically been in jail. I've been arrested once and I've been to court once neither for the gospel. I was arrested when I was about 16 or 17. Uh, we were at a youth, um, it was actually a Soul survivor thing down in Durban where I grew up, and a bunch of guys, a few guys a little bit older, they had driver's license, they said, listen, there's an open air bus that's coming from the, the, the town or the city of Durban to the conference that's going to come pass under a bridge, let's get water balloons and throw them on it. So we thought, oh, this is awesome, you know, like throwing water balloons off a bridge onto people, like, does it get any better? As, as we kind of chilling there by the bridge, uh, we just hear a cop car go Whoo! and uh, we were thrown in the back of the cop van <laughs> and it was fun and it was awesome and uh, it was an over-exaggeration but because the guys who arrested us weren't officially proper cops, they were like these uh, the volunteers and I think they actually went to school with two of the guys that we were arrested with us. I think they had a bit of a chop on their shoulder towards them, maybe towards Jesus. Who knows? But anyway, we were, throw- we were kind of, were thrown in jail, but we were taken to the police station. Our, p- our parents were called. Uh, different responses from different parents. My parents just stood outside the window and laughed at me. So uh, let me tell you, the, the, the thought of going to jail at 16, 17 was not fun, especially some of the jails in South Africa. You don't want to go near, okay? The second time I was in court, was here in Dubai. Um, I was driving down near the Mo- Royal Mirage, some of you have told the story before. But I had a friend's car, he had Peugeot 306 convertible, and he's like, cool, you can use it, because we only had one car, Starlet moved across, and she was using my car. And um, so I was driving along the road, and there, uh, uh, it was 13 years ago, and um, just outside Royal Mirage, there never used to be traffic lights on the other side, like Media City side, and I was driving, and uh, the one day there wasn't, traffic lights, and then the next day there was. So I pulled out, and I, I'm still learning to be patient in my driving. God is dealing with that. It's taken 13 years to get slightly better. So it's a slow, slow process. And, um, and I pulled out alongside this truck who was driving so slowly in front of me. And as I pulled out, I went through a red traffic light, hit a car. The car flipped on its side, hit another traffic light, and the guy thankfully was fine. And, but anyway, so what happened from there is that the cops came out, there was a statement given, there was one guy just who, who had it out for me. He was like, no, that, it's that guy's fault, okay, it was my fault, but anyway, he didn't have to kind of emphasize the point, the police knew. So I was taken to the police station, passport taken away, I had two different court hearings. The first one I thought I was kind of scot-free done, I paid a small fine, but then I got like a, another call back to like the major courts down in Dera or Dubai. And I was like, are you kidding? So you walk into this building and it's intimidating. The night before I read an article that people have been arrested and spent a month or more in jail for going through red traffic lights. I was like, I was just praying earnestly. I was like, Jesus, help me, help me. I don't know what's gonna happen in this time. And um, Anyway, so we, so we go to the courts and uh, I'm sitting there and I'm like, I think like I'm a minor offender, you know, the, I had to pay for the guy's car, thankfully he was fine and he was Christian and that was all awesome testimony and, and all of that. But I was sitting in jail and then there were guys coming out in like striped outfits and I said, like, are you kidding me? This is, I was just stressing, I was like, am I in the wrong court? Like somehow they've put me into the wrong place? Anyway, so... Thankfully the guy heard me, Uh, I spoke to him um, in South Africa, for some reason we call traffic lights robots. So when I was giving my testimony about the whole thing I said, I I went through a red robot and the guy just looked at me anyway. But that's beside the point I, I had to pay a fine of like 2000 dirhams or whatever it was. And I came out free and God saved me. So I just want to say that the prospect of going to jail in any form did not excite me. I was like immediately thinking, okay. Cool, I'm not the, 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 the roughest and toughest guy. Then I have to, What gang am I going to join? Who's going to protect me? Um, but thankfully, I never had to go. So Paul's, Paul's response to jail and Peter's response to jail was so different to mine. You're going to see this throughout the, the scriptures that you are going to read this week and next week. I love what Paul writes here in Acts 20. He says, now compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. His response was completely different to mine. If, if the Holy Spirit is warning me, listen, Then there's going to be arrested. I'd be like, cool, get me on an emergency flight out of here. And, uh, but maybe God's growing me and teaching me some stuff in this time. So what is the response? We're we going to look at Acts 12. I started out with three points. I started out with three different scriptures, but now it's going to become a little mini-series because God's just kind of revealing a few things in this. So the first point, if you're taking notes, what are the responses? Is that they prayed. And that seems pretty obvious in this time. Uh, I think we don't have any other option, but they prayed. You're going to see in Acts 12 how... The prayers of the saints, of the the people of God, as they begin to pray, how it flips the situation completely around. Acts 12 verse 1 says, It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death by the sword. When he saw that this met approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also, this happened during the Festival of Unleavened Bread, arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to, to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended uh, to bring him for a public trial after the Passover." So this story starts in a, quite a negative space. Maybe some of you are sitting this morning in, in a bit of a negative space. I'm praying that that as we go through Scripture and, and be encouraged by Scripture, it says in Romans 15 that we'd be we get encouraged by Scripture. Things written in the past, so we may have hope. Okay. You start the story. It says Peter is arrested, James is killed, and Herod is on the throne. And uh, this looked hopeless. What does this little community have any hope to fight against one of the greatest empires of all time? This this Roman Empire. And I want to say that, and I've said it last week and I've said it the week before and I'll say it week after week that the church thrives when there's opposition. The church is at its best, I believe, when there's opposition, when there's when there's uh, something coming against it because you'll see what rises up in people. This, maybe in this time uh, the, of, of coronavirus, is that it's forced the church to pray like it never has before. Uh, the amazing thing for me, when I look at the scripture, Peter had—he um, was obviously known to break out of jail. It Happened two times before, which I'm going to speak a little bit later. And um, and he was—he he obviously had this reputation. So they're like, "Cool, we're going to put so many guards around this guy. We're going to chain him to the guards. There's no ways that this guy's going to break out of jail." And I, I immediately went into a Netflix series. It's a former ear cutter. Jesus Denier becomes a gospel preacher. I think it could be a great series. Probably have watched too much Netflix over this time. Um, and the amazing thing when I look at this, if you look at Herod, it's, 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 it's a relative of Herod the Great. So Herod the Great was the one that uh, was persecuting, trying to kill all the babies, well, or did kill all the babies in Jesus' time. This was a relative of him who was trying to kill the, 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 the infancy of the church before it even started. Wherever there's opposition... The church rises and thrives like it never has before. And I love the scripture it says, but the church, but the church earnestly prayed. And I honestly believe we're living in a time in, but the church earnestly prayed. And the amazing thing, what happens when the church earnestly prays, it not only sets a pathway for the church, but it begins to change the whole world uh, around us. And uh, the, the the word that, that um, that Luke uses here is, is the Greek word, ektenos, which is the same word that he used for Jesus when Jesus was in Gethsemane and Jesus prayed so hard, prayed so earnestly that he sweated blood. The word is ektenos. And uh, this, this came out of obviously a deep love for Peter, but they, they, they earnestly prayed. They cried out to, to our Father in heaven who can come and save him and do something miraculous. Um, you'll see this, and I just read this in a commentary, the world has the weapon of swords, guards, and a prison under the authority of Herod, but the church with the weapon of prayer and, uh, is under the authority of Jesus, and you'll see that that always wins every time, and I want to encourage you that you'll see at the, at the end of the scripture that that the praying church is the church that shapes history. I had my, I've had a few moments of earnest prayer. Um, one of the key ones was quite recently uh, started but possibly about this time last year maybe a little bit uh, maybe May, June, probably June. Uh, she had to have a, a small operation with the, with the babies and it was stressful and I remember sharing the testimony in church and, um, and I've never prayed like that before. We were at City Hospital Starla is in, in the hospital, she gets willed off, taken down for theatre. I had to sign some documents that if anything goes wrong, the, the hospital or the doctor is not liable. And I was like, was scary. But God in that moment gave us supernatural faith to even, for me to even sign those documents. And Starla went downstairs and um, she went for the operation. And an hour passed, I hour and 15 passed and writing to the elders. They're all like, what's happening? Why Starla? I'm like, I don't know. I was laying on the floor of that hospital room, crying out so earnestly that I was looking to see if I was sweating blood. It was one of these moments where I cried out for the, uh, my Father in heaven, God, would you just save and rescue those babies? Would you would you let, the, let this operation be a success? And I just cried out to God, I'm, I'm pretty convinced that I delivered every demon out of the hospital. People were probably just walking out in the droves because they were healed. It was one of those moments where I just earnestly prayed before the Father. And I I was just thinking about that moment and I was like, we pray earnestly for that which we care the most about. And uh, I think God wants us to to take us into a time where we care so much about the community around us, the people of God. These people cared so much about Peter, this leader, this person who was standing on the forefront of, of where they were, that they earnestly prayed and they cried out to God. It's more than sending an emoji of praying hands. My second point is this. Peter slept. Very simple, it says the night before Herod was to bring him to trial. Peter was sleeping in between the two soldiers, bound with two chains, and with sentries stood at the guard at the entrance. And maybe Peter could sleep because he'd seen God deliver him twice before. Maybe he could sleep because he he had seen Jesus, his rabbi, uh, who had been able to sleep in a storm and had peace even going through the point of death. But I want to say that that I believe we can have rest and peace in this time if we understand God's faithfulness to us in this time. And if you, I want to encourage you, go take a journal, go write stuff down on your phone of all the times that God has come through for you. Every time it seemed impossible, you can see God comes through and makes things possible. And if we look at this, there's a miraculous provision that, that this angel comes in, everyone stays asleep. The angel comes and rescues Peter out of prison, takes him out, and eventually he's reunited with the disciples. And uh, what do we do in this time when it feels like our prayers aren't being answered? We're like, God, we're praying for the end of corona, we're praying for this, we're praying for this, and we're not seeing so much of our prayers. And I honestly believe that it's because faith is the evidence of things not yet seen. If there's a delay, which seems like it, and it may carry on for a while, is that God is working something that Outside of this and in, the, in this, God is causing an incredible revival in hearts. And I've listened to so many pastors around the world and everyone seems to say the same thing, that God is using this time to bring renewal to His church and to the world. We are living in the time, uh, we've just come out of Easter, they would call it the Holy Saturday. You had Jesus died on the cross on Friday and then you had Saturday. You can imagine the whole day Saturday, the, the disciples are waiting saying, Lord, I really just pray that you get, you're raised from the dead. They only had Jesus' word. He says, on the third day, I will rise. And obviously, the rest is history. Jesus rose from the dead. And, uh, but we live in this moment, this tension of like, God, we've seen your faithfulness in the past. We trust you for your faithfulness in the future. It's the evidence of things not yet seen. And then the final thing, final point is that God was glorified. Herod dies at the end. And you can go read it for yourself. We don't have a lot of time now. And I went and looked at just different commentaries on that. Josephus, who was an extra biblical commentator, wasn't a believer. He was a Jewish historian, attested to the exact same facts that Luke attested to in in the book of Acts. And I love what John Stott says about this. And he's a great commentator on the New Testament. He says, the chapter opens with James dead, Peter in prison, and Herod triumphing. It closes with Herod dead, Peter free, and the word of God triumphing. Such is the power of God to overthrow hostile human plans and to establish his own in their midst. And that is what God is doing. And we're in the middle of a chapter and I've got my Bible, my cool green Bible here. And uh, let me just put that there. And there's moments where you get to the end of a chapter. You're going through Daniel you get to the end. And I believe that we, we are somewhere, maybe in the middle, hopefully more towards the end, maybe in the beginning of the chapter. But this, what is, what is, what are, what are we going to look like? What is the church going to look like at the end of this chapter? That's at the end, if, if you read Acts 12, it starts in a real like dim, horrible place, which maybe the world looks like right now. But it ends where Jesus is exalted with the word of God. It says that the word of God spread and increased. And that is what we're seeing in this time. And I want to share, in in ending, a little story. And some of you, I think I may have read this before, but uh, this is the the Battle of Dunkirk. There's an incredible movie that was made about it. But the little-known history behind Dunkirk is that prayer actually saved the day. And uh, I, I want to read it. In May 1940, Adolf Hitler unleashed his troops against France and Belgium. The Allied troops... In the Nazi's path, was surrounded by the Germans on three sides with with the sea behind them. The Allies were trapped and everyone knew it. Prime Minister Winston Churchill was preparing himself to deliver the news that more than 300,000 soldiers had been captured or killed. Love this part. But then King George VI called for a national day of prayer. We're in that moment right now. The British people devoted themselves entirely to prayer for the day. Congregations swelled and queues formed outside churches. The military decided to evacuate. There wasn't enough ships, uh, so they made a call out to all of these trapped men. 800 people responded in their boats to come and help these trapped men to get across to England. For three days, Hitler called his troops to a halt. At the same time, poor weather grounded the Luftwaffe and allowed Allied soldiers to reach the beaches and the evacuation without any hindrance. The evacuation itself took place on unusually calm seas in the Channel. The miracle of Dunkirk was that miraculous. To this day, historians are baffled as to why Hitler suddenly called to halt his advance when the victory was all but assured. The German generals themselves were clueless as to why they were not allowed to chase down and, ab- and obliterate the allies. And I, for me, that is such a picture of what happens when a church prays. In the middle of this scripture, it says, but the church prayed earnestly. And I, I want to encourage you, and I encourage you last week and again the week before, is that our response is a response of prayer. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And as we see in the scripture, God miraculously turns out things for his good. And that is what is happening. We may not be able to see it. Maybe we're sitting on this side of, of we're in Holy Saturday and we're like, God, are you going to come? Are you going to be resurrected? Are you going to do what you promised? And God always does, always will. We can trust him. We can put our hope and our faith in him. In this time, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word that encourages us, that builds us up, that makes us more like you, that convicts our hearts. Father, and I pray that in this time, Lord God, that our response as a community of followers of Jesus would be to go and pray. Pray for your redemption to spread across the earth. Pray for salvations of those who don't know you to spread across the earth and i want to encourage you uh, in this time if you have not surrendered your life to jesus if you have not uh, said listen I, i'm living in this place of uncertainty i don't have any certainty i can tell you that with jesus coming into your heart and you giving your life to him and, and repenting of your sin and walking away from your past you find such a surety in god that it is a supernatural thing the bible calls it salvation And I want to encourage you, if you want to surrender your life to Jesus for the first time now, we've got a little tab on the bottom that says you can raise your hand, click it. We've had quite a few people give their lives to the Lord over the past few weeks. The next one is just click on next steps and we've got some pastors waiting that will walk you through a journey of faith. I really encourage you to do that. And also... At the end of this meeting, we've got a prayer team. So if you click in prayer requests, we also have a prayer team that are waiting online, ready to pray with you. And one of the things they asked us to say is that a lot of the stuff that you can be sure that it's not going to be filtered out to everyone else. If there's a there's a sense of uh, anonymity, uh, you can come in and we can pray for you and uh, just pray for God for breakthrough in whatever area you need. If you're not part of a community group, a Zoom community group, go to our website, click on one. Join, join one. Next week we're going into our seventh week and this is exciting. I' uh, this is crazy that we're still in our house been out a few times but uh, let's just keep praying let's keep trusting Jesus. we'll see you next week.